Alright guys, welcome back. This is part 2 of episode 24. Chase, thank you so much for coming back. It's great to have you back. Yeah, thanks for having me back, Arthur. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, pretty hectic weekend for myself, and, uh, you know, you and I <laughs> went into the final hours of uh, writing and straight into podcasting, so ran out of time, but it was an awesome conversation. I'm excited to continue it. Yeah, for sure. It was a little... A little short for time, but that's all right. We'll be fine. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of the guys in the solar sphere have a lot to bring to the table. Like a lot of training knowledge. You know, I mean, I have one foot in that myself. Um, you know, a lot of recovery stuff, a lot of lifestyle stuff. Um, and then there are the guys who really get sort of knee-deep in philosophy um, and then also get knee-deep in applying that philosophy. But there's also, you know, a select few people, select few guys that are really into weighing opposing forces, like weighing the balance of opposites. And I really like those conversations because I feel like the more, you know, when I, when I got asked to write, when I got asked, like, what is a path of blood and rain, I went on this three-week just sort of meditative writing session about it. Um, I found that one of the cornerstones of that, in, in my mind, is balancing as many opposites as you can within itself. Like, that's a pretty high mark of intelligence. This is a recurring theme in my podcast. Um, F. Scott Fitzgerald would... would measure intelligence by how well people could uh, balance two opposing ideas in their mind and their life. So I feel like the more people sort of deliberate on these things and try a series of trial and error between two opposites, you know, the better findings, more practical findings people would have. Would you, would, you, would you say you found the same thing or is that something you think about often? Or um, Honestly, it's not something I think about often, but I would say... Um, like there's the saying um, everything's better in moderation which I'm not really sure if I believe 100% full commitment to that saying but I do think that um, a lot of people just in their ways of life especially me considerably can either be in like a passive state where I just am in reflective like reflection kind of mode or just like read or um, scrolling through my phone and whatnot, and then I have another mode that's just like I want to do things. I got to get some stuff done, um, and and it's hard to really have one without the other and feel super fulfilled or, or relaxed in a way. So I think like opposites in that way is kind of how I come to understand them. Not really through always conscious consciously just trying to find one though. Got it. Got it. I mean, yeah, that, that's, I mean, I feel like that's also like a baseline form of practicality as well, active versus passive, or indirect versus, uh, indirect versus indirect. Um, you know, one of the, one of the really interesting findings that I had is actually, you know, since this is your first Pascha and your first Lent, um, or sorry, your first Orthodox Lent period and your first Pascha, um, would you be? Would you feel comfortable sort of taking the audience through what that experience is like for you? Um. Yeah, yeah, I could do that. Um, 
just the the night of Pascha or the full me discovering Orthodox Christianity in a way? What would what would be more beneficial? Actually, you know the full nine yards. So, like your discovery of Orthodox Christianity. Um, hang on. Yeah, I mean, I feel like your initial discovery of orthodoxy and, and sort of journey of transitioning into orthodoxy and then um, your first Lenten period as an orthodox Christian and then Pascha, um, I feel like the whole nine yards is pretty beneficial. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I always was a, um, I still am, I guess right now, at least a protest, Protestant Christian like my entire life. But the thing that really drew me to the uh, the church that, and I'm still thinking about this, like I don't really know the 100% correct answer about of why I was, I just kind of ended up drifting there, you know, not gonna fight it though, but it was um, this idea that, um, I don't know what philosophy it is, but I think a lot of contemporary Christianity and I, and I, I don't want to like just come at the throats of people because that's definitely not what I want to say, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But um, um, it was mainly I was I'll rephrase this. I was attracted to, and still am attracted to Christianity in in the sense that I think it's a commitment that that we can never really do. 100% correctly um, given like human our, our own abilities that like cannot attain to that of Christ uh, who we're called to imitate and I think um, at least at least I'll just speak of my own experience and I think prior to to the Orthodox Church going to a service uh, to the Divine Liturgy um, I thought in a sense that a lot of it was just um, asking for forgiveness um, and stating that you believed in Jesus and God and that he died on the cross and rose for your sins. And then that was, that was just sort of um, it in a way. Hmm. Um, not saying that it was also like, okay, so I can do whatever, whatever I want as long as I know that because I still felt within me that there was more we were called to be and and I know that many people regardless of denominations I'll think that but it wasn't really until um, I was in the divine liturgy that I, that I was that I was humble enough to really acknowledge um, how, how far away I was from that even though I still had that idea within me for at least at least four years I would say um, kind of like the whole carry up your cross and follow like yeah. prior I felt like I understood in a vague vague enough sense the cross and that I knew what mine was but actually picking it up and following I wasn't sure that I was doing that so when you came to oh sorry go ahead oh no I was just gonna say something else um uh, and I, I'm still not really 100% sure what that looks like, but I at least know that I feel confident enough that this in, in this Pascha, that the joy I got from that 
and the confidence in my faith that was brought from from this joy that I couldn't explain at least helped me know that at least that I think I'm on the right path. What was specifically the Lenten period? What was that experience like for you? I mean, have you... I've, I've known some sort of contemporary Protestant Christians to follow Lent, but a bit more loosely. Um, what was following such a, a formal process of Lent like for you? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually didn't know when the first day it started because you know, I'm very new to all this. And I was like, wait, uh, Lent started two days ago? Like, why didn't anyone tell me? But um, <laughs> I got used to, I mean, it's a long, it's a long one, so... As long as I started, I thought that was the best perspective to take. Um, I talked about doing all the uh, the meal restrictions that, that was required to me, and I just I knew I couldn't do that at least this year. Uh, for the listeners, those for those of you who don't know, um, during Lent, and I, I have yet to follow this because I would need a serious game plan with my training in order to do this, but. Wednesday and Friday, you basically have to be vegan. Um, and Saturday night, once you take, um, once you go through the vigil to prepare yourself for the divine liturgy, you're in a no food and no water fast until you take communion, uh, like almost at noon on Sunday. Yeah, and, and I think, is it meat fair and cheese fair and dairy fair? I think, is that what they're called? Where each each week well like process the days they take one more thing you can't have out of your diet as well yeah i mean i've noticed like some i don't want to say inconsistencies but some variance in that i have heard that especially from some of the monastics but i wasn't directly prescribed that thankfully oh okay (laughs) Um, yeah well so I talked to my priest about that. I was like, "Am I supposed to? Am I supposed to be doing this? Because I'll let you, I'll let you know that I have not been doing this." And this was like three weeks in, and and what he recommended to me was was to just focus on uh, doing morning prayers, or at least, if not even that, doing the daily readings that are um, sent out. Uh, I don't even know how they're sent out, but I have like an app that uh, each day there's like three passages. And that was my main focus, was just getting into that, that discipline. Um, that's what I used, as well as to not. I'm in a fraternity here as well, um, in my college. So I, was, I also took a uh, kind of a, a oath to myself in a way, what a God, which was um, just to not like get very drunk on the weekends. I'd still allow myself to drink, but I... During the Lent, during the Lent period, I wouldn't allow myself to get drunk, so I took that as well. Got it. So starting small, but it was uh, the Lent period itself, though. I know it was kind of rough. I'm not gonna lie, not necessarily for me, um, but like with friends I know and um, other people uh, close close to me they had like difficulties with like grandparents passing away and it was actually a suicide like last week um that's after it went but i feel i feel like i'm still somewhat not out of it even even after the service um so just just a bad like negative negative energy in a way 
you know, they, they, they say that you're not, for lack of a better term, you're not really out of the woods until Pentecost, um, which is multiple weeks after Lent. Um, I believe it's mid-June that we'll be sort of out of the Lenten period fully. Um, it's getting, it's getting it's somewhat heavily theological, but for the listeners, um, this is the, in, in, in the time of, of Christ, right, this is basically, you know, the aftermath. Um, and the aftermath after the, um, after the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. Um, so it's, it's almost saying like, all right, you've seen what you've seen. Are you going to be faithful to that? Or are you going to discount what you've seen? And just say, oh, it was nothing. That's like, if I'm, if I'm going to put it as simply as possible, it's like that. Um, and honestly, people, I mean, Peter denied him um, before he died. Um, and there were people who found it very difficult to, to hang, for lack of a better term. Um, and it's it's a similar thing. It's like when we get we, we feel the grace of Pascha, we feel the grace of this Orthodox Easter, and then like even several days later, it's just back to the mundane. You're know, like, mm, was it all real or it's just mental masturbation? But you know, it's, it's we're viscerally viscerally know it to be true, but that creeping, droning slumber of just baseline reality sometimes. Smothering, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely felt even that somewhat today, because um, I knew we were going to be talking on this today, and and just because I, I mean, I moved back home from college today, so I'm going around the house like, uh, what am I going to do right now? Like, I have certain things that I planned out, but I'm just not having the responsibilities that I that I had, especially the past nine months I've definitely got a lot of free time right now and just just sometimes that boredom can it, it can make your your like spirit feel somewhat lower in like that lower state even even though you know to be true like uh, the promise of Christ is rising from the dead but yeah I totally get what you mean by that and my I'm sorry for your loss, suicide. I've unfortunately known multiple people in my life to commit suicide, and that's and I was actually exposed to that very young. Um, that's not an easy thing by any means. I'm I'm still not very good with death. Like I can I can buck up for people, you know, mm-hmm. buck up for those around me, right? Like like a rock, but for myself. It's almost like I'm I'm 14 years old again, whenever something like that happens. And I had to go to a funeral in September of, of a family friend. She wasn't someone that I was, you know, consistently in contact with. She committed suicide due to depression stemming from isolation. And you know, you, you sometimes just really wonder where their their heads were at so i'm sorry to hear that jason yeah so thanks for your uh, consideration yeah i um i mean she was actually a, a friend of a friend so i really didn't know her that 
personally either. But yeah, I, I, I'm sort of the same way when it comes to other people. Like, especially when I when I just heard the news, I was, I was able to like process it really quickly and be there for the uh, for the like my friends and the people that do know we're alive. But as far as something close to me, I, I would really react in that manner. Um, but yeah, it's, def- it's definitely sobering too. Just putting that all into perspective and and whatnot. Yeah, it's um, it's it's you know, I came to orthodoxy in 2017, and about six months in, I uh. I got a phone call that friend of mine from Boy Scouts, you know, from, from, you know, I got a message one morning says, uh, Hey Arthur, can you message me? And I, I was, you know, deep in my Boy Scout troop. Um, when I was in it, I was you know, the senior patrol leader, the troop leader. I like, I was, I was really invested in, it. I was, but not just in the, the, the position, but just, just the guys, you know, they're some of the best friends I've ever had. When you're building shelters together and, uh, running out of food, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a different kind of bonding. So mm-hmm. I get a message from a buddy of mine. He says, Arthur, can you give me a call? And I said, hey, Josh, what's up? And he says, no, I, I need you to give me a call. I was like, oh, okay. And he basically says, hey, um, last night Jason committed suicide. And I... Uh, won't go into why because I don't I don't mm-hmm. feel, feel funny about saying you know someone else's story after they're gone it's just it just doesn't feel right in a podcast setting no. but the, the point of bringing up when what I found really just forthcoming about um, about the Orthodox and there's a certain humility with Orthodox Christians that I find. I went to liturgy that Sunday, the next Sunday, and I spoke to my priest and I spoke to some of the older people there and they said, you know, on paper, we're told where he goes, right, for committing suicide. But at the end of the day, we're just humans and we never really fully understand what's going on with God's plan. Mm -hmm. And what we do know is that God's omnipotent and that God knows where he was at. And I won't go into his situation, but his situation seemed like there was literally no way out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, it's not up to us to say where he goes. It's up to us to pray for him. And who knows? He might very well be in, in the kingdom of heaven. And I found that just, in, I found the balance of that just absolutely incredible. You know, it's, you think orthodoxy means stark yes or no answers but really it's stark spiritual physical and mental discipline ultimately in the name of humility and that mm-hmm. humility was fully understood by me in that moment yeah yeah uh, first I want to say that I'm, I'm also sorry to hear that it's always really difficult just to process all that as well and um, I would say as well that um, 
it is good that um, I noticed that also about the Orthodox Church and the little while that I've been attending only the divine liturgy i know i gotta i gotta move out go to the other services as well but that's my that's my go-to now but um (laughs) i would uh it definitely is a it's a whole perspective it's not just um it's not just looking for a doctrine with all the answers and then just adhering to that and saying okay well this is 100 percent um, what's going on, um, and what what has to happen to this person, or what, or what is right, what is wrong, or even like we we can guess, right, and we can know better or worse for the most part where intuition might lead us, or what or what the uh, words might might say, but it there is a humility in in it that is kind of. It, it doesn't just say that, okay, well, there's no, how about, it, it lets you ponder on, on sort of what is written and not just say um, that this is, this is it and no more thinking about it. it. It's sort of a stance that acknowledges that we don't know everything in a way. Yeah, it's... It's one heck of a dichotomy. Um, first of all, I appreciate the condolences as well, brother. Um, and and it really is it really is a dichotomy, which which is kind of amazing, honestly. Um, I've noticed too, like there there's there's certain language used, like these are the mysteries of Christ, these are the mysteries of God. Like there is room for mystery, like. They've been told what they've been told, but there's also, they've also acknowledged that. And for, for those of you who don't know, I guess you know this is getting this is getting deep into the history of the church. But for the listeners, a lot of the beliefs of the church today, and even the Orthodox Church, not just Catholicism, or I, I don't know when Catholics stopped believing certain aspects of Orthodoxy, and same thing with Protestants and whatnot. We know there's been some kind of you know two thousand year, or actually really a thousand year long game of telephone practically um and a lot of the beliefs of the orthodox today came from the decisions of men ultimately because there were seven councils over hundreds of years that basically met you know with high clergy and they basically said well what do we believe about this um saint basil was the one who crafted the nicene creed i believe in one god Father, believe in the Son, believe in Mary the Theotokos, believe in the Holy Spirit, believe in the Guardian Angel, all of that, the Nicene Creed. Um, and a number of other beliefs that were really just like, well, what would Christ have said about this? And they just sort of prayed and said, well, this is our stance. Um, that's, that's, that's a very man-made bit of it, at least in my opinion. Um, so I, I even take that with a grain of salt, um, you know, like to, to speak on one of the things that bothers me about orthodoxy, and I don't know if your, your church is the same, but it's when you receive a blessing from the priest, you like you kneel and you kiss his ring, and I'm like, that never sat right with me. 
because because when you um, when you read about Christ, he's someone who washed your feet. He wouldn't ask you to kiss his way. He would ask you to, to for you to devote himself, to devote yourself to him, devote yourself to God. But that's a, it's a very it's like a matter of the heart versus a matter of just outward submission to just someone who's a man. It made no sense to me, you know. Um, so I'm not saying, I mean, and, and I've, I've mentioned this in previous podcast before, but Leo Tolstoy found that there were certain corrupted elements of the Russian Orthodox Church during the time of the Russian Empire, you know, late 1800s, early, early 1900s. And so he sort of just went off on his own. He, you know, was trying to deepen his connection to God. And he became um, what some would call a religious radical, but really just an ascetic. And he wrote a whole book on it called The Confession, which is fascinating to read. Um, but I'm, I'm layering tangents upon tangents upon tangents upon tangents. But it circles, it circles back. But it, it, it leads back to... Um, it leads back to this sort of visceral nature, this visceral aligned nature of being in liturgy. You say you don't, you typically go to divine liturgy. Well, that's like the, if you're going to go to one, that's the one to go to. Um, that's the most important service. It's the service of communion. That's a service that's been done the same way for two thousand years. Um, and you go to any church around the world. That's what that's the service they're going to be doing at that time, every Sunday for the past two thousand years. Um, so. But there's this visceral nature. There's this visceral aligned nature to orthodoxy. Um, and that, that that shows itself in Lent. Now you said, I know you mentioned tragedy after Pascha, but you said it was, you, you said something really interesting to me in a conversation that you had, that you had all these things going wrong around you. And when things weren't really going wrong with you, but you started to actually develop more and more confidence and faith despite all these tragedies. Can you speak more on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny. Uh, that usually is definitely how I've got my confidence and my faith before as well in, in prior circumstances. So maybe if I relate on that, it might it, it might help. Yeah. Um, I would say it was, I'm just thinking how long it was. I'll just say junior year of high school, because that's when it was. Um, my uh, parents were going through like mar- marital problems and thinking about getting a divorce, and that really rocked my whole perspective on just what I thought love was, which, I mean, I'm sure many people can attest to to that. But... Um, they didn't and they didn't actually end up getting divorced but it was it was a solid like year and a half where i thought for sure it was going to happen and in the moment as far as i know like i'm like thinking to myself okay well i guess we're done i guess like the family's going to be something that i don't know what it is anymore so in that in that moment as well i also i was a athlete uh cross country and i tore my achilles as well um that was like a week before the uh champion no what is it the the state the state meet the state champion meet so 
I couldn't help our team out in that, and I knew I was I was going to be out for at least three months. So, so um, after that too, I look around at my friend group, and they're like nowhere to be found. Um, they're just like doing other stuff, and um, part of the problem was just me too, though. I just retreated inward and thought like my friends didn't want to hang out with me at that point, even though they probably didn't, you know, they probably just thought I wasn't reaching out. But in that, in that moment though, I just felt super alone. And I think, I think the only, the only idea I had in, in my, in my being was like, um, even at the lowest point that I felt in a long time, I still felt at, at some weird moment, just like at the end of the day in my room, somewhat content. And, and that was like when I was focused on just reflecting upon the meaning of life. And I, I could only think of like God being the answer and, and in the Christian perspective that I already had. Um, and then just relating that to, to now, I mean, the past month, um, I had like close college friends as well. Just they're dealing with a lot of stuff. Not me particularly, but um, just knowing that friends um, that that I that I could be there for them. Um, meanwhile, seeing that they're in a the dark time, and like I had, I had a hard time like keeping a hundred percent on track with what I said I would do for Lint. Um, so that was its own battle of its own kind of just me and being somewhat lazy would probably my be my biggest thing but just trying to battle that and also just be there for my friends because they were also just feeling depressed and they two of them at least were two really close ones and they didn't know why like they couldn't pinpoint why they were sad because they were like okay well i've always knew what to do when i was feeling this way i would just say I'm a person who feels better after I get all my stuff done. Um, I'm confident. I know what I do in conversations. Like a friend was telling me this, and then and then he just um, told me last week, actually ten days ago, something like that. He was like, "I just don't know like who I am anymore," and I could kind of relate to that based on like that's how I felt like five years ago. So. Um, I think it's it was this year is more like me tapping into um, my feelings that I felt in order to relate to them now, so I can be there to help them in some sense, just to like be a shoulder to have, and and just by trying to relate to how I felt back then, I, I still could sense this support that I had um, by my faith, such as like there is one thing to live for. Um, even even if it feels like there isn't that like we're gods and that like he sent his son and died for us in, in that manner um, so that we could like have eternal life with him and that he could cleanse our sins and just knowing that even compared to how bad your life is or how you see someone else is somewhat processing that same idea just kind of establishes a faith. I mean, you can't have 
I mentioned this at, 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 in some manner on one of my stories I put up the other day, which is you can't really reference anything without somewhat acknowledging that an opposite exists. Um, mm, yeah, I remember seeing that story. Yeah. So, like, if someone's talking about joy and happiness, if, if there's no opposite to that, it wouldn't, like, stand out in a way. You wouldn't really know what joy and happiness is. And I think maybe just um, when I would get so down on myself, when I see other people, I can also see its opposite kind of refuting um, that which is still negative already. I don't know. I don't know if that made a whole lot of sense, but trying to explain yeah. it. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah, it's um, it's an interesting question because you know I'm sure you're familiar with you know the the, the line in the morning prayers, um, the divine light with no shadow, with no shadow due to change. Basically saying that like God has no direct like dark opposite. Right, because God is the original, con like omnipotent constant. Right, so you don't make an omnipotent constant from another omnipotent constant. That's like the one thing. Right, balance, and I get. Mm -hmm. That's what we would call holy and divine in nature, because right, it's um. I mean, the, the the sun is sort of an embodiment of this, right? It's like this constant that provides everything, right? There's no. But even the sun has an opposite, a black hole, but there's no opposite to, like, your original constant. Um, so I guess to be in the kingdom of heaven would to be in the kingdom of the constant, right? Where there's no shadow due to change, like, being that close to it. That would be a really interesting alternative way of describing it. And I think it's, it's a good way of describing it to people who are trying to ask about Christianity without... This, this this is a side note. Like one of the things I loved when I first came to my first Orthodox church was this. Um, the priest basically said to me, "You're not going to see. I mean, you might, but you're not going to see an Orthodox Christian on a street corner with this, this copy of the New Testament, the Orthodox Study Bible, you know, screaming, you 'You're all going to go to hell!' Right? Um, no, that's not what he. That's not what Orthodox Christians do. It's not our place to judge. It's divinity's place to judge. Um, and. I think with the, the balance of opposites, I think we're given a pretty distinct choice. So, like, I remember I, I went, I, I almost, <laughs> I, you know, this is a little spoiler alert. I recently recorded a podcast coming out soon with, um, with KJ Says Words. And I mentioned the time that I uh, almost, almost, I left my high school before I could be kicked out, right? <laughs> Because I got a lot of scraps with trust fund babies, and you know it was what it was. I was kind of a punk in high school, honestly. Um, and I went to this new high school where I had, like, I, I sort of showed up the first day, like, all right, who do I got to fight? Like, you know, like I was just sort of ready for anything. And they, hello, hello, can you hear me? And I, you know, I, sh I showed up to this. Uh, I showed up to this new high school, sort of, you know, ready to throw down. I was ready for anything, and 
to my surprise, at the end of my first day, they're like, hey, you're Arthur, right? I was like, yeah. You're in my history class, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah I think so. Why don't you come sit with us? I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and I was sort of taken aback. I'm like, why is everyone so nice? This is, this is weird. <laughs> it's almost like a New Yorker coming to, to California for the first time. It's like, um, there's that scene, I think it's in Get Shorty, where, he, you know, He's, or like an East Coaster versus the West Coast, that's, that scene in Get Shorty where he, you know, he first comes to the LAX airport and he's being, he's being driven by a taxi driver. And, you know, he has this East Coast scowl on his face. And he's like, oh, you're coming from Miami Beach. And, oh, you know, this wonderful time here. And you'll have a wonderful time here in Los Angeles. You know, you should go check out the boardwalk or you should go check out the Walk of Fame. You should go check out the beautiful beaches at Santa Monica. And the guy says, I'm from Miami fucking beach. You want to tell me about a fucking sunset on a beach? I was like, <laughs> the difference between, the difference between, um, you know, this, this very depressive scowl of the East Coast versus like almost this overly sunny disposition of the West Coast. When I came home, and I, it was about two months at this new school where I was like, okay, well, seriously, what is up with this? Like, why is everyone so nice? And I finally accepted that people were just like that. I was sort of waiting for, not the other shoe to drop, but I was waiting for just what my version of reality from my previous high school was to just sort of lead it back into existence. And my father said to me, he was like, Arthur, you know, don't you wish you went to this high school for four years? And I thought about it. And I was like, you know, I don't think so. He's like, really? He's like, he's like, why? I'm like, you know, I don't know, because I hear a lot of people, you know, complaining about this school, but I don't know if I, how happy I'd be here if, you know, if, if, if I came here from the get-go. I might have been, but I, I'm really enjoying it now because I had an absolutely horrendous high school experience my first two years. Um, but I, I, part of that doesn't, I mean, I guess you're acknowledging your point. You're sort of acknowledging a direct opposite, but then I sort of just think of logos. It's like, yeah, you're acknowledging the direct opposite, but then you're you're framing the direct opposite as below, and what you're striving for is like the highest, greatest good above. So, speaking, I'm not I'm not as much of a visual thinker as others, but to me, it sort of feels like a horizontal relationship versus like a vertical relationship. Does that make any sense? Um, what, what do you mean, um, what, what is horizontally related, the, uh, negative and the, and the positive? Yeah, it's like, when you sort of, like, when you acknowledge a direct opposite, it feels like it's just a cross from it. Right. But when you, you're sort of striving for the greatest good, like, the, the, the negative just feels like it's below, like, below your feet, and the positive is high above that you're striving for. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I always, I always think, um, I always just picture negative being more like a like a weight, and and that sort of makes me feel more more lower energy, sluggish, unmotivated, and the positive is being uh, what what's more freeing in a sense, of uh, what's more in tune in tune with how we should live. And and that kid, he like the removal of weight, which which makes me think of more positive. Uh, I mean, more uh, lighter being higher and heavier being lower. 
a positive, like a vertical relationship. But that could also apply horizontally too. Like if you had weights on your feet and were trying to run, you definitely doing a lot slower. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, that's sort of how I see uh, see it. Um, but earlier, when I was when I was talking about uh, how how being in in, in a, more of a negative state allowed me to see like what you're referring to the logo. So what was what is more perfect? Um, it's weird because if, if you were to say that there exists like a like a perfect opposite to to Jesus or to the logos um, that that then it would be that 50 50 battle but I don't think that's that's what's going on uh, like like you said earlier like like it's already won um, which implies that there really is no perfect opposite but maybe it's just Maybe it's just a contrast. Might be a better word for it. Um, how do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's... Hello? Yep. Sorry, uh, you, 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 you cut out. The last thing I heard was opposite. Um, I cut out for about 10 seconds. Oh, maybe... I was just saying that maybe uh, opposite might not be the best word for it, but instead... Uh, a contrast um, just just to not not say that there's like a hundred percent complete opposite to to Jesus because like wickedness it's still not like at least how I see it it is like opposite to to love and that which is good it's not like the full opposite it's it's small like you discuss this in other podcasts too but it's more like just the twist like a, like a deception of what is good and using something in, in the manner not intended. Uh, and you can definitely feel feel when that's going on in life. Well, when, when something um, goes awful, awfully wrong. It, but like when you have a, not a good perspective on what's going on around you, um, it, it feels like there's something something it's not like you're in the complete opposite head frame is where you should be but you're definitely not not where you should be i don't know what do you think about that no that's yes i i mean i think to your point too like part of the passage that you a lot lot of the passage that you wrote in the piece had to do with deception itself so it's like, I think when we think of like this direct opposite, we think of like this really grotesque, like evil looking demon gargoyle with a bunch of like orc from Lord of the Rings, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, right, right, yeah. But to your point, it's like, it's maybe, maybe I'm not, I'm, I, I, I used to be a really big fan of, of relativism. I mean, in some ways I am in my day-to-day practice, but it's more from, from a, a physical relationship context. So it's like, well, how effective, like, just speaking on combat sports, it's like, how effective is a, is a right hook? I'm like, well, it depends on the context. If you just throw a right hook and the other guy's orthodox, or not, not orthodox Christian, but standing orthodox, um, you know, it's not that effective, but if you, if you kick someone in the leg and you're retreating, but you follow it up with a right hook for safety, then it's really good. So 
That's where I speak. I think there's room for relativism in certain contexts, but I think moral moral relativism is just absolutely horrendous. But I think what might I think maybe sometimes just evil evil I feel like evil wears many faces. Like the direct opposite of Christ wears many uh, wears many faces. But then when you think about the nature of God, right? It's like God works in mysterious ways. Okay, so that's that almost feels like maybe a distant cousin from deception because we don't fully know. But then there's a direct deception about the nature of what evil is trying to present. I mean, Lucifer was an angel of light, so he's pre- presenting himself as holy being, but really he was out to bring discord and deceive and ultimately bring chaos. And he would use any, di- any methodology necessary in order to make that happen. So the more I think about it, first of all, hell can hell is very different things to different people. Now this is almost making light of potential, you know, true hell. But when we think about this, for some people, hell is being in a small town in the middle of nowhere and not having a bunch of high stimulating activities to do. Someone who's not really good in nature, you know, he's extra extroverted, but he's thrust into an introverted society. Like you could sort of stack the deck for all the things that make someone shudder, and that could feel like a personal hell. And you could take another person, and you could put a different person in that same situation; they could absolutely flourish, right? So, I think this evil nature presents itself in different ways. Like, for example, some people really struggle with lust. Some people struggle with masturbation and porn and whatnot. Some people really struggle with wrath. Now, a lot of people in the sphere are like, anger is good. You know, anger, I'm not going to say anger itself is good, because I don't think it is. But if you can channel that anger to something productive, it can be good. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the times, wrath, the, 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 the pitfalls of wrath is you, you can destroy a relationship with a wrong word said at a wrong time by saying something you didn't mean. And, you know, if a person has a good understanding of you and has a good thick skin and is pretty self-possessed, they're going to know that you said something you didn't mean and discard it. But there are more people who are more sensitive. Women are naturally more emotional creatures. You don't want to say something you don't mean. Um, you wouldn't want to say something you don't mean to your mother. You know, it's, it's, it's wrath can destroy in an instant. Um, wrath can cause you to make a decision that changes the lives of others in a gap of a split second. It's, it's, it's not a it, it, impurity. It's not great. So deceptively, the, the, the direct opposite of Christ, um, if it existed, and it's, it's it, the, the thing is, the direct opposite of Christ, the Antichrist, or the direct opposite of God, Satan, Lucifer, had many names, whatever, they're splinters. They're splinters off of the original life force. They're trying to say, no, we're doing our own thing. In many other religions and some new agey stuff but in many other religions of pantheon they call it the luciferian experiment and the word experiment is very fascinating it's basically saying we're theorizing that maybe we can we can separate from the grand constant god maybe we can separate but no matter how hard they try it eventually comes back to to the center and it means they eventually get vanquished so it's, it's never really a direct opposite, but they'll appear to be the direct opposite in, in sort of just default setting 
but then they'll also appear to be an angel of light. They'll appear whatever they need to be. So it's a very long-winded, abstract way of saying that God will provide in mysterious ways. Christ will provide in mysterious ways for what we need, what we truly need. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Satan slash Lucifer slash, you know, the Antichrist, if he ever showed up, you know, um, a lot of people, a lot of people debate Revelation. I can, I can truly understand the, the, the debate of the validity of Revelation. That's, that's, that's a topic of a whole other yeah. podcast. That, that could be a four-hour podcast on its own. Um, yeah, for sure. Big time, big time. But that opposite nature, they already use all of the same sort of methodology as God, but they're going to use it for utter discord. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be oh. like, ooh, I'm, I'm like, it's like a really bad, badly constructed villain, like, ooh, I'm evil, and I'm going to tell you my evil plan as you're tied up, but your ally is here to rescue you, so now you know my whole oh, yeah. evil plan, and last my evil plan is full no it never presents itself like that ever well yeah it it's also like um uh how you can do the most evil if if you trick people into think that uh they're doing good with you um as well like wearing masks um yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) um i was um i read i don't know if you read it uh small small book this is one of like the first orthodox books that i picked up uh seraphim rose revelation of the human heart and and there was a passage in there i don't, I don't know the name of the specific monk that it was um, or monastic that it was talking about but um he, he he was ascribed to a duty um which was you are now going to go out and uh, spread the faith in the world among the people and he um was very much of of another opinion where he thought he could best serve god and his talents but with writing and with reflecting on the scripture and writing and then at the end of his life he would have all his um wonderful uh, piece that he wrote about christ and and about uh orthodoxy and and that that was how he would uh contribute but as he, as he was doing this, um, it was said that he was actually um, had had um, dreams and communications with um, an angel who disguised a fallen angel who disguised himself as a good one. So it was actually like a demon who was um, giving him all the stuff to write about. And even though he thought he was doing good and was writing about God, it was all like completely not in line with his path. Um, and that he was writing like heresies and stuff like this, and, and drove himself to delusion, mm-hmm. even though I thought he was doing good. And and eventually, in the end, it worked out, and he he realized this. And and it was it was sort of like Jonah. Um, it wasn't until that he he actually went on the path that um, he was meant to do, go out into the world. That then then did he realize that he was stuck in a delusion. But it, it's not always until until a while that you notice that too especially if you're just in it on your own because i think he was just by himself in like a hut doing this but yeah it's it's not like evil just says hey i'm I'm evil by the way like like devil on the left shoulder angel on the right i think it's more like 
two angels. You just don't know which one's good in, in a way. And you can take that as literal as you want or not, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, I would say that's abundantly accurate. I mean, I think, you know, I can really go back and forth on this, man. Because, like, sometimes I'm really rude in this idea. It's like, you always know what the right decision is. And then I look back and I'm like, and some of the mistakes I've made. It's like, did I really know what the right decision was? Like, I made every, dude, I made every mistake in the book when I moved to New York. Like, every mistake mm. in the book about, and my dad's a New Yorker. I've been to New York before, and I still made these mistakes. I'm like, what the hell, man? Um, and that was part, part to do with my situation. If I didn't, if I didn't go there with a certain given set of circumstances, if I was just a regular guy moving to New York, I probably would have gone a lot different. But didn't didn't handle the situation well. So sometimes, I mean, maybe maybe when we're maybe. when we're truly rooted and in alignment with God, right? All of our being is in alignment. Yeah, the decisions are the decisions are. Are, are, it's very clear what's the right decision, what's the wrong decision. But when we're, when we're tired, more, you know, <laughs> I, I pardon my French, but I said this to somebody the other day. I'm like, dude, my demons are a little vicious. <laughs> and I, he was like, what do, you, what do you mean? I said, they only want me when I'm tired, man. It's like it's like that guy who wants to spar with you, but only when you're tired after sparring a bunch yeah. of other guys. <laughs> um, and um, he, he laughed pretty hard at that. Um, it's definitely a good perspective to take, though. I mean, it really shows a comparison what you're up against. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like, like at the end of the day, it's like, oh, this is it? This is all you are? Really? Huh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, you know, at the end of the day, I'm sure they have a lot more firepower than that. Um, to be honest, when I, when I find that I'm doing the most objective good, like, that's when I'm majorly hit with spiritual warfare. Like, I uh, I was drafting something with, um, you know, Jonathan West and Nature Chad and um, Will of the Renaissance of Men about the Renaissance of Men, and it felt like this just truly rejuvenating, consciousness-raising talk for four hours, right? And then that same night, I have, like, some, some night terrors. Like I'm at my my overnight security job. Whenever I have like a 15 minute break or a 30 minute break, I just sleep. It's like that's what do you do? What do you, what do you want to do for your break? I'm like, well, nothing's open, and I'm at a night shift, so I'm gonna sleep. Yeah, um, I'm exhausted. I had like absolutely horrendous night terrors that night. So it's like you know, it'll it, you know, it doesn't get any easier. It really doesn't. Like, I think another dangerous notion to not be deceived is just like, oh, man, you know, I just beat that. <laughs> I just showed my demons who's boss, and uh, now I'm going to ride off in the sunset. Like, well, you're still alive, right? So that's obviously not going to happen. The, um, you know, your demons, you know, various aspects of spiritual warfare from, from basically from evil are going to level their game up. They're going to... If, if you're really doing well, you're really doing some proper good in the world, they're going to eventually hit you with everything they got. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a lesson I really learned the hard way. Also. Um, yeah. And maybe that was maybe that was a certain amount of pride, right? 
confidence is great, but I think I dipped into pride, and I think at one point that was a serious downfall of mine, which is why I, you know, when I was reading, so, so for the listeners, the way, the way of, um, the way we wrote this piece is Chase and I had a, had an initial discussion, um, about the piece, and, um, Actually, we just had an initial sort of icebreak discussion. Then we had another discussion about the piece. And him and I both, you know, we said, all right, we'll do five pages, um, single-spaced. And we had a pretty loose set of parameters. And we did that for, for length. And then we sort of met, uh, did a writing session after Pasca for some findings for a post-Pasca being. And we, we wrote a back-and-forth conclusion. Um, but there was a lot in both portions regarding pride. And I'm curious, like, did you have any run-ins with pride throughout Lent that you, that you needed to sort of navigate? I would say the main, the main one was um, the first week that you invited me to do this piece. Um, I mentioned this earlier, but my roommate was, uh, he, he got admitted into a, basically like a psych ward um uh based on like depression and and i've i did some early posts on depression um thinking to myself like okay i definitely know how to instruct people if they feel depressed and um especially if this guy's my roommate there's no reason he's ever going to be depressed you know and that that's completely a uh, i mean it's definitely a pride-based way to look at it um just recognizing that no, not everything is in your control. You definitely can't always just be there for somebody else as well. And and um, that was a big issue for me. Um, just I, I wouldn't say I was like super cocky in my demeanor, um, but but I I just wish I could do more. Um, kind of like have my presence. Um, that, that, that I like kind of have on Instagram be the exact same in real life and, and I tend to, to try to do that 100% of the time but, but when that doesn't happen like like when you see like one of your closest friends just get that low in life when you're like around them at least three hours every day if not more and like you can't help them I mean that it was really a huge hit um, not not only that I was like worried about him when he was gone, um, but also just like I, I I'm not gonna say that I didn't take anything on it and and just say that I didn't um, like I'm, let me rephrase I'm not just I'm not just gonna say that it's not that I couldn't do anything for him like if it felt like I had. Um, I felt like I should have somehow not had him go, like that I should have been enough, and I, and I feel like that comes from a prideful place too. Um, that that I recognized from that. That was like probably the main thing throughout my no. It's it's a hard pill to swallow. I mean, my my closest friend he suffered with PTSD, and 
you know, PTSD from a, from a given event that he really hasn't recovered from, honestly. Um, and, well, you know, actually recently he has, finally. Um, certain meds he was prescribed, you know, really were in his best interest, but, you know, big pharma. Um, yeah. But I, there, were, dude, there were days, man, where we'd be at the gym, and workouts, my workout's going great, his workout's going great, and I just see him shut down and, like, literally just leave without saying a word. Like, get in his car and leave. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. You, you're sort of like, as a friend, I'm sure, it's very similar to It's Like, what, what did I do or what did I not do? What could I have done? It's, uh, it's heavy, man. And it's, 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 it's very real. You know, it's very real in your face. I mean, my, my parents did wind up divorcing. And Sorry about that. Uh, it's okay. I mean <laughs> it's uh it's like three very type A personalities, uh, in one house. It's interesting. <laughs> I've I have a really great relationship with both my parents now. It was for the best. That's good. Yeah, you know, it's um I see them at least once a week. Um I'm going to be kind of, honestly, I'm going to be pretty bummed when I move out of the Bay Area. I, mm-hmm. I, my father's moving to Miami. My mother might be moving to Seattle or might be moving to Los Angeles. Um, so they're not, like, they're not on the other side of the world, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, dude, I, I, I went through the whole, like, how, how is this, is this my fault? Like, I've, every, honestly, my grades suffered years in high school because I just sort of felt this crumbling notion that anything that I did wrong would just add stress to the marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately it's like, it's, 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 it's not your fault. It's not, there isn't anything you could have done. Um, but that's, that's a humility pill to swallow as well. It's like when we, when we have clearly like defined boundaries of what's in our control and what's not of our control, that seems to lead to a lot less suffering, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of times you don't. I mean, you, it's sort of like um, trial and error, just to know how much first how much you're capable of being in control. And I don't even think that's fixed. Like I think the more, the more you become more capable with more challenges, but there still is a limit and, and that can grow. But yeah, just knowing, um, especially when it comes down to other people, it's like, how much are, how are they going to put forward or how much are they capable as well? Because life isn't just yourself and other inanimate objects. Like there's people with their own feelings and their own attitudes and decisions. Well, that's obvious to everyone, <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, I kind of went through the same thing, uh, like, we don't want this whole thing to be about, like, divorce and whatnot, but <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't know, I was, I was, like, I was trying to fix everything, you know, just being, like, 17, 16 years old, and we're, like, I, I could be the one to get my parents back together, but, like, it's only something they can do on their own, but like, you know how stubborn you can be when you're that young too. So you versus the world, and I'm gonna win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, 
I like to think I'll, I'll know sooner than later, right? What's in your control versus what's not. But it seems like it takes a long time sometimes. They're pretty clearly defined, but I mean, okay, so I, I screwed around, and I, st- I don't say I screwed around, because I eventually understood a proper balance of this, but there are certain things that I certainly manifested, like things that would seem like they're out of my control, like there's nothing really like, okay, Arthur, if you do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, you'll, you'll like, this will happen. No, like, I, I'm pretty sure I, like, manifested certain things into my life. And this, this has to do with the subconscious. I, I, I did a podcast about this in alignment. But really, shout out to Zenobial for really properly discussing the subconscious and how the subconscious impacts the world around you. So if you have sort of dominion over that with your thoughts and your words, um, then you, uh, then basically, you know, you can sort of manifest the reality that you want. Um, and I think there's, I think there's certain parameters with that, honestly. I think certain things you can manifest and certain things are non-negotiable. Like, there's, there's that, there's that tired, tired debate. I, I found this more with evangelicals. Like, I don't find orthodox guys getting too wrapped up in this, but, um... Yeah, hello? Hello? Um... I think, I mean... We're not getting into affirmations, are we? Too good. But, um... I do think, yeah, a lot of reality you can manifest just based on the perspective you take as well. And, and knowing... You, you know what you're capable of doing. Um, and a lot of it is just not being afraid to do it or not being too lazy to do it, at least in my opinion. Um, my experience of such. Um... But yeah, so I guess there is that sense of what is in your control and versus what is not. But I still think it, it can be corrective in a way. I just, I, I also didn't want to make it sound like I was using it in like an excuse matter. Because I get annoyed out of that all the time when people are just like, it's just not in my control. And then you're like, no, like if you, um, especially <laughs> just like people that like don't work out and whatnot, they're like, I just don't have the time. Like maybe you maybe you could like you know not sleep for ten hours, um, get eight and whatnot, and I don't know move, move stuff around. Um, you can always do stuff like that, but you, you could spend an yeah. hour just watching YouTube and just do calisthenics. It would be better for it. Yeah, that, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's it's <laughs> let's say it's funky, but yeah, it kind of is. Um, There, there, there are there are like things that are very much within your control and I think you can manifest things and I have I, I could personally say I have like Zenobial talked about uh, this really interesting story where the guy was writing comic books right it might have been comic books or I think it was just books in general and he found that his life started to reflect the story he was writing and he's like oh shit like, okay I'm yeah. really careful what I think about um and I, I, I made the, the hypothesis and argument that it's like your actions, your actions have dominion. Yeah, hello. Hello? Yeah, you, you were saying that uh, he found that his life, and then it cut off uh, about comic books, the guy that writing one. He, he found that his life was 
starting to directly reflect the novel he was writing. He's like, oh, shit. I need to be really careful what I write about. Or really careful what I think about. I have to be able to detach myself from the writing. Um, and I think you, you, like, you have direct control over things with your actions and your words, but I think when, in terms of like, what, you, what you can impact sort of the ether, for lack of a better term, like the things that perceive to be out of your control, your thoughts and your words prime your subconscious to make the world around you bend accordingly within certain parameters. I think there are certain things that are non-negotiable. Like a really tired debate with a lot of evangelicals is like free will versus like predetermined. It's like, I knew you'd say that. Like, no, no, you didn't. Okay, stop. Um, but and I, I don't find too many Orthodox people saying this, but I think that I think, you know, one of the things that majorly debated I mean, you can you can you can prime the the world around you within certain parameters or certain things that are predetermined. Um, I think sort of out of your control or maybe Maybe that's an illusion from a three-dimensional understanding. Maybe free will is an illusion. I don't know. Uh, maybe everything is. Maybe our free will is preordained. Maybe everything it all bleeds into one. Like it seems to be this may, this thing that maybe we won't won't ever really fully understand until we reach divinity. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just I just got out of a full class on free free will, but. I'm not going to put much uh, value in it, honestly. It's just a college course. But I, I would say um, that, yeah, it's it's hard to know if if what you're doing is already predetermined or not. Um, but I, I at least come to the, the perspective that I don't care, really, um, as, as long as it feels like it isn't. Um, as, and as long as it feels like we can do other things, we, we should... Um, try to strive to be to do good things and be the better person that way it's, it's not like because um, a lot of people just will I mean and there is value in being certain one way or another but there's also like that can also be used as an excuse to just be like okay well if I'm going to do this anyways it's not like I need to really strive all that hard and whatnot. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's sort of the, the the plague of Western civilization right now. It's like, you know, I don't really want to have to work, and I want to get all the benefits. Like that's it's a it's a Christian version of that. And I talk about the Forest Monday too. Like there's such a why the solar ideal is sort of so important for like people cross faiths is it's the ideal of action. It's a masculine ideal. You, we, I'm sure you've met a bunch of like Christians who are like. You know, they're the Christians who are like you can tell are really grounded and they're they're like rooted and like okay, you know, it's not happening for me right now. I'm gonna keep praying as soon as I can make a decision. That's clear. I'm gonna make a decision. It's like you know they're going through the, the process they need to. But then you also know the guys who are like are are inactive and they're like I don't know what to do, man. I'm just waiting on God. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Um, yeah. For, for every single. For every single little decision, it doesn't always work like that. Like sometimes you have to be the first mover, and God will arrive. Right? Yeah, and that also comes down to at least at least how I relate to it is, I also think that like a lot of times, everyone already knows what the right thing is to do, um, and 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 how that relates to everyone might already know that like 
it seems like everything's our decision, even when we can ascribe to something we're like, I'll just wait for God to happen. Meanwhile, we know that we were just using it sort of as a as a as a fallback to not to not do what uh, you feel it, that that you need to do in in a sense. I don't know if I communicated that well, but um, no, it's, it's I mean, it's, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I I would say there are two two kind of aspects of the faith that I think some people can can take, um, which is yeah, I'll just wait for um for like the divine alignment, um, whatever that may be, till I know that I'm certain when I act. But I also believe that um, a lot of times you're not certain until you start making moves and whatnot. And, and our first chance is not always going to be perfect or our first um, opportunity at doing something. And I know like that's kind of on a different different track, but um, I think as long as you have the basis, understanding of God and trying, trying to be in, in that, reflect, reflecting that, that light, that no matter what decision you make, even if it's not like the number one decision or the best thing you wanted to do, as long as it reflects more of that than than not reflecting that or reflecting something worse, then I don't think you can go wrong in in that sense. I'd I'd have to agree because um, it's like that in action. It's like I'm gonna have the perfect plan. It's gonna be just go off with a hitch. I'm like probably not, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there there are people who think they're gonna get it perfect the first go, and they might as they they might do, but the more complicated the process and pursuit they're about to embark upon, you know, the less and less likely that that's going to be the case, you know. Um, It's... I mean, I kind of related to golf. You know, I'm still very bad at golf, but sometimes (laughs) on the the first first drive, if that's what it's even called. (laughs) But... uh, (laughs) I couldn't tell you, man. I've never yeah, watched yeah. it in my life. <laughs> yeah. But uh, sometimes I'll wait and I'll try to line it up perfectly and I just shank it right into the woods or something. And then I'll just feel like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to hit the ball because, I mean, that's what this that's what the sport's made to do. So I'll just do that. And then <laughs> I'll, like, hit a perfect one. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Um, but, yeah, just... You can't always just wait for that perfect opportunity, and or, or just blame blame your waitingness on just trying to be ready for having the perfect shot. Yeah, I mean, be, being ready is to be constantly sort of moving and preparing. It's like mm-hmm. it'll, it'll come much more natural when you get that perfect opportunity when you've been when you've been moving nonstop, and it just sort of appears. And you don't need to warm up. You don't need to think about it. You just go. Um, obviously, it's not throwing decision making and caution to the wind. It's not just being a purely primal being, nonstop, not capable of complex thought. I don't think that's good either. Um, but you know, it's going to be in, in in fighting. Like there's, I think there are the there are the fighters who you know you see that like they're maybe not in shape, so they're just trying to like wait for the one big shot. And if the other guy has like enough of a chin and the superior cardio, like it's gonna be a long, long night for him. Um, but if you, if you, if you sort of 
basically you start to throw combinations, throw feints, move in different spots, you know, feel the guy out, you'll start to open up that perfect opportunity. You're actually going to stand there and just like, he's going to drop his hands and you're like, oh, it's here. I'm going to kick him right in the face because he just dropped his hands right in front of me. Like, it's obviously not going to happen. Um, yeah. You know, the, the deeper and deeper this conversation goes, I, I feel this, this, this essence within. It's sort of the essence that originally was a, originally the big eye-opener for me. I mean, in our piece. So it's like, there are a lot of elements to our piece. And folks, for those of you who haven't read it yet, uh, we read the conclusion at the beginning of the, of the podcast, uh, the part one of the podcast. But the, the piece is available on Blood and Rain Books, Patreon, and Gumroads. You can go check that out. Um, but we, we, we go through a lot. We go through, Chase writes very effectively on the self. And the, the decision makings and the things that the self as a Christian needs to navigate. That it's on a much, once you sort of accept that path, it's a much harder path. And you need to accept the path of humility in the sense that, that sometimes the correct course of action is aligning with God properly to not be sort of attacked by demons and whatnot. Um, but to also strive with your free will day in and day out. Like he, he very eloquently puts that all together in a bunch of with a bunch of examples and he sort of goes through all the major thought process of a, of a Christian going through Lent and a Christian in general. I go through um, sort of the, the Lent being this sort of trial that you can't um, that you, Lent is a trial that you actually have the luxury of seeing coming. So it's like Lent, and this Lent in particular was you know Chase and I kind of got kicked in the teeth of it during Lent after we traded notes it's like this is this is a rough one we found that our weaknesses were all of our weaknesses were brutally exposed and that the initial exposure was very painful but the aftermath at least of things within our own agency wasn't that great so it's almost like a father um, trying to prepare his children for the real trials that's what this Lent felt like to us in, in, in multiple regards. And then we, it also basically chalks up to pride. Like, pride is the ultimate blind spot that Chase writes about. Um, pride, it's like you're not going to improve upon these things. You're not going to strengthen upon these things that the Father wants you to improve upon if you're prideful. And when you're prideful, you have this false rejuvenation. But the rejuvenation is something very motherly. You know, Mother Mary the Theotokos. You know, manifest that rejuvenation of the mother, that healing of the mother that allows the father to push more, push harder, so that the children are even better prepared. Manifests in, in liturgy and ultimately Pascha, honestly. Um, so I would I would uh, go give that piece a read. It's pretty, pretty long, but um, you know, Chase opens it and it's just absolutely does an incredible job of it. Um, you know, he sees the real first mover in the piece, so I, I would encourage you guys to go check it out. But we, we also had one other finding, and that, that finding is, is sort of been manifesting the traces of it throughout this conversation in particular, not necessarily the part one conversation, but we, we, we initially touched upon the balance of opposites, and you, you spoke upon it in your life, I spoke upon how I sort of actively tried to balance a bunch of opposites in my life. But it seems to me 
throughout this conversation, the hidden essence of it, was the essence in which that we found that we sort of came full circle in a way. We sort of completed a, a hero's journey tied to orthodoxy. But not to say, I mean, hero's journey is probably something very, very divine. I, I do believe that to be so, but speaking in a Christian context, which can be somewhat tricky. Chase mentioned to me that he felt far more confident as a Christian through the hardships that he went through. So now he felt like it was almost his time to... Well, I'll let you, I'll let you speak on that, Chase. He said, you had this newfound confidence, and you found that there was a certain prompting that you had, something that was sort of out of your nature, a prompting that you had divinity for the summer. Yeah, I would, I would first say that I think that any stance that, that I take um, and through action or, or, or through words is um, up only by like some metaphysical realm that upholds the physical in, in the realm of action and, and talking and and if I'm, if I'm not fully confident in what this metaphysical thing is then, then that's going to hinder at least subconsciously my ability to what, what I believe what I act out in the world and I've always thought that which is why I probably spent a little I'm not going to say too much but a lot of time um, over the years just like reading if I'm bored other than just like uh, playing sports and whatnot, even though I was on sports teams and et cetera, et cetera. but it, it wasn't really until yeah this this Pasca that I had the first one that I've been to where it wasn't just the beliefs um, that I felt were right but it, it was beliefs paired with a uh, meta, meta, metaphysical feeling, or or, or more so a contentment with um, what I thought as well. Um, that that though know a hundred percent everything about orthodoxy, and I shouldn't. <laughs> it's been like four months, but, but but just knowing that even though I don't know everything, don't understand everything, that when I find that I am. Um, at least putting my mind in that framework as I should be all the time, I feel more joy and, and more contentment more, more contentment and at peace um, than if I'm not doing so. And I, I really felt that joy at the Pascha service, Pascha service um, when, um, especially when the gates were opened to uh, the heavenly gates, which is where you go outside um, and do like a procession around we didn't go around the church, we went around like a parking lot. But then we went back in and the atmosphere changed, more light and probably explaining that a little rough, but um I would I would say it's that that helped that that feeling of joy along with what you believe um can really help. Um it confidence out in the in, in the world now. Um that the stances and the thoughts I take now um, are going to be rooted not only in the thoughts I have, but also in the feelings I have towards the world as well. And and I think this can also um, benefit the relationships you have with others, or just what you think your purpose is. Because um, a lot of people can think that their purpose, um, especially if you don't um, view it in a religious or spiritual 
uh, nature, but just in um, what am I going to do with my life? Which, which, I don't know, I think fundamentally we all have one purpose. Um, you know, love God, love others, and uh, serve the best way you can towards that goal. But um, a lot of people, if, if you don't think that, just say, what am I patient, what not? And that's not always, comes. that doesn't always come with, um, with that, um, any feelings of, of some like divine nature or any contentment in a way. It's, it's sort of just um, hoped for after you achieve something. And, and in this, in this Pascha experience, I've noticed that I feel such, um, just in the process, I, I feel that joy and that contentment to allow me to be the person who, who acts possibly more uh, courageously and is there more for their friends than if, um, than they probably would, than they probably would be if they didn't have such a feeling. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, that, yeah, you hit the nail on the head, man. That's, it's, it's almost, I mean, there's this sort of, I don't want to call it negative reinforcement throughout length, right? It's like, this was wrong, you did this wrong, you did this wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite call it that, but it's like this, this, that, that rejuvenation, that vote of confidence. Like when a mother, when a, when a father is like really pushing you, right? And it's almost to the point where it's like maybe you went, I don't want to say too far, but to a point where you really take a step back. You start to question if you can measure up that confidence of the mother, that, that consoling of the mother saying like, no, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Your father's being hard on you for a reason. He knows you can. He won't say that, but I know you can. You, 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 you indeed can. That, and honestly, you know, being, being, you know, being so, so much, being, being so much rooted, right, in the renaissance of men and the restoration of men, you know, both of my, my, my work as a content creator that I, you know, I take very seriously, and my, you know, with the stuff that I'm doing with um, Primal Thrive, and since we're really trying to chemically restore physically and mentally store men it's men 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 but that's it's not it's not this counter feminist movement that a lot of the manuscripts become it's just anti-feminist which is like feminism is anti-men so it's just like the, it's like right. topping each other like oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah it's like it's, it's stupid it's really fucking stupid sorry i'm sorry for cursing. I'm really really trying to not curse i'm not very good at that work right, um but it's it's this constant sort of it's this constant back and forth that, that leads to just absolute ruin you know men are called to lead when, when, when men lead when men are restored then balance is restored but I don't think that's I, th- I think people think that's going to go back to get back in the house and the woman you know it's like I don't really necessarily think that that kind of mentality is good either you know what I mean yeah. I mean, not necessarily. I don't think it's good, honestly. I think I think the feminist movement had room to grow because men got lazy in a post-war era, honestly. And mm-hmm. I think that it was that in tandem with a lot of women were really suffering. Really suffering in, in marriages that, you know, weren't for the, the, the best for them, honestly, with maybe abusive partners, maybe neglectful partners, maybe both. 
Um, I think the restoration of men equals a rebalancing. But I also I also noticed that you know the church the the, the evangelical church. I had this conversation with Jonathan West, the guy behind Being Husband podcast, that the the evangelical church has become really feminine, right? Yeah, really, really feminized in response to a church that, you know, the Orthodox Church is very male, right? It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. very high thumos, honestly. Um, but they also they also venerate, you know, Mary the Theotokos. Like it's it's they 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 acknowledge her her grand role. I th- I think there's also some. This is purely speculation on my part. But I think in those councils, those seven councils of the church, there were some more literature, like inspired literature that would be in it. Because guys, the, the for the listeners, like I mean, this, this is this is something the atheists yank on nonstop. Is well, the Bible's only so old, and it's just like, well, yeah, actually, so the compilation of the Bible happened hundreds of years after you know after the resurrection and ascension of Christ. So it's you know. Jury's out on who decided what's inspired and what's not inspired. Probably the closest thing that we have is the Ethiopian Orthodox Bible because they're the longest standing, oldest church in the world, and they have like something like 20 more books in the Bible mm-hmm. than any other church. Right. So I would, you know, people say, oh, that's not inspired. I'm like, well, you know, they've been doing it the longest, most continuous. So I'm going to go, like, just pure, pure logic, I'm going to go with that. Um, but I, I speculate that there was some, some further literature in the Bible that was left out in the original compilation that was inspired that had to do with this sort of, like, I don't want to throw out a new reading term, but like this divine feminine nature. I think this divine feminine nature has a much bigger role to play, and I think it's, it's manifesting, and like people, are, people kind of feel that, but they're manifesting it in feminism. It's not working, obviously. Mm. That, that, that's it's pure speculation on my part, but that the rejuvenation of Pasca is, is a grace that that feels like the grace of a mother, but also feels like the ultimate sort of approval of the father at the same time. It feels like both. Um, and that certainly brings confidence. Um, what, what do you feel is the prompting for you now? After leaving that, like you, you feel like you see, okay, I have the confidence and the joy from Pasca to be this person. What, what you mentioned before in another conversation, there's sort of a prompting for you now that's sort of been out of your character in the past, but now you're feeling more nudged to do. Yeah, so first of all, comment on, yeah, I feel like the um. I feel like there always was this uh, feminine nature to Christianity that, I mean, before I really understood Mary, which is something I'm very new to understanding, I always just attributed that to the Holy Spirit, even though, like, it, I don't think it ever specifically genders the Holy Spirit ever. Um, but I, I just always would attribute it to that because I, I never really understood Mary until very recently. Um, so I, de- I definitely think there's something going on. It's not just paternalistic all the time. You, you definitely need that um, nurturing and, and kind of energy that, 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 that does say, yeah, you are capable of doing this, um, but make sure you rest first and, and et cetera, et cetera. But 
um, I, I would say a confidence that kind of I feel within me now is just to be more myself in a way and um, I'm not saying this in like the in like the liberal perspective where it's like oh just be yourself you know just do whatever you want uh, and you know how, how, how that can lead to all sorts of vices and, and whatnot. I'm not gonna spell them all out, but um, I, I I just say just to have more confidence in what I want to, what I want to do. Like I can relate it to uh, just I'm mean, being relatively new to Instagram and whatnot, and this this account that I'm starting, um, sort of just that I feel like I'm in over my head but not letting that stop me in a way uh, just to know that like if I want to share something that I can and I will and I'm open to like criticism and not and uh, to disagreements but I, I would say most of my life I, I'm a fairly passive person um, unless prompted by someone um than I would, but like one on one, I could not be passive. Like I, I could be like. Um, that, that's when my competitive nature kind of comes out, because like being a triplet, I'm always with my brother and my sister. Just we're always competing in in that sense, and it was very like black and white. Who's better at this and this, and so in that sense, I I, I can uh, do things confidently, and and kind of become a perfectionist in that way but i think just the confidence i have now um post pasca would 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 be um i don't know just to like stand up for what you believe in in a, in a sense because my thoughts have not really changed much i mean it's good uh, to at least have your thoughts change every now and then that means like you're thinking right you're not just stuck to an ideology in a sense but I, I would just say, like, if you're talking with friends and whatnot, just to, I mean, there's there are some people that are like, no, just hide, stay low, and uh, don't get pointed out, and 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 just uh, don't don't let them know that like you don't think differently and whatnot. I mean, that you that don't let them know you think differently and whatnot. And it it just seems like a weak stance, and that's kind of what I've been most of my life. Um, and that can also have like pride form that like oh, I I I think I'm right and they're not, but I'm just gonna pretend. It it, it 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 sort of gives like a weird pity in a way. So I think that sense just just to be confident in what you do and what you say more, and that would allow you to be more yourself first of all, and then you would find yourself doing things more that you agree with and saying things more that you agree with and if not, because then there's like a conflict in your being. And then, then the other thing would just be there for my friends more. Because um, a lot of times I can just not think about them. And I mean, at least being in college now, a lot of your life is just like you hanging out with um, other than like summer jobs and whatnot. Um, at least that's like the main focus for a lot of people. Um, of course, I want to look further ahead though at, at what I actually want to do once I leave. But yeah, I don't know. Does that answer it a little bit? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, 
It, it feels. I mean, it, it really, it really does feel cyclical in nature. I, I mentioned this, you know. I, I, I'm actually, I mentioned this to you, and I mentioned this to someone who isn't uh, a content creator. I think, honestly, he should be. I'm, I'm going to yell at him for that later, and be like, "Hey, you should put out some stuff on Instagram." Um, he's a really, really smart kid. He's only 19, though. Um, but really, really smart kid. Um, I explained, you know, the past three years, I sort of was on this pretty long cycle where it's like, you know, <laughs> ever since I wrote Blood and Rain after my first Posca, I've... I've had like just sort of nonstop chaos, honestly. Like it's not been as stable and rigid as I would have liked, you know. And I think I got just majorly exposed to my weaknesses and like it really peaked with Lent, honestly. And now I sort of feel I feel kind of like a come down, honestly, um, because Pasca was like this big resolve, but it wasn't this resolve where it's like everything's solved. It's like all right, these are all the things you're weak at now. That you need that, that like, I'm divinity is very clearly, you know, God's very clearly, like, these are the things you need to work on. Like, it's pretty, pretty clear prompting now, but throughout the three years, it's just like, what on earth is going on? You know, um, I didn't really have a clear sense for that. I had a lot of questions, I was doing a lot of frustrated praying and whatnot. But okay. I, I think, I, I think, like. Okay, just to bring up Revelations once again briefly before <laughs> that turns into this big rabbit hole and whatnot. But um, I think the, the the notion of time when it comes to Christianity is you know it's it's very it's very linear. You know, it's like you know, new to Old Testament, arrival of Christ, New Testament, and somewhere looming potentially is Revelations, right? But I, th I think Christianity is far more cyclical than people realize. Um, like right now, we're starting to see. I mean, there was a time in Russia where it was so illegal to be a Christian. Like they killed every major, every major clergy and all the bishops, all the archbishops, all the deacons, and they killed they killed hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Christians during the Soviet Union era in, you know, the 1920s and 1930s. It was, just, it was a very, very dark time. And throughout the time of this, it was, depending on who was the Soviet premier, um, you know, I know it was obviously very bad under Stalin and Khrushchev, but depending on who was the Soviet premier, you know, it, there may have, the ramifications may have been, you know, a bit less depending on who was in power. Of being an Orthodox Christian, I mean, there's there's a famous documentary, you know, called Agavia. Um, it's about this woman who, you know, when she was a kid, uh, when the Soviets took over Russia, they fled to Siberia so they could continue being Christian without, you know, being persecuted. Um, and she, you know, everyone else died, and she's like 70 years old, and like he's out there with just like goats and you know, <laughs> and some mm -hmm. wild vegetables in a shelter and whatnot, you know. <laughs> I think I think uh, Vice went out there to see her too, and they were just like, "Oh, what can we do for you?" And she's like, "Oh, you have a goat." It was pretty funny, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it's 
and now we're seeing right now it's like being a Christian isn't it's the law is going against Christianity now like there was a time where you know I'm gonna tread lightly when it comes to sort of the Western continental world you know like Western continental Europe and the United States right where it's like Christianity was a big foundation of, of law in Europe post Constantine whether that was Orthodox or whether that is eventually Catholic or eventually Protestant and the same thing goes with a couple, with a couple key caveats. Uh, another big portion of the law in Europe is also Greco-Roman Stoicism, and another key portion of the law in the United States sort of came from ideals of you know the quote-unquote Enlightenment. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's that's some of the pairings there. But um, there's a speech from four years ago, Patriarch Kirill, um, you know the Patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church. He, he he's usually not too vocal. Um, but he had a speech just sort of not condemning the West, but warning the West that they're going away from Christianity, they're going away from this narrow path. You know, the law is showing more and more to be anti-Christian, you know, whether directly or indirectly. Um, obviously, the subject of marriage, you know, don't necessarily believe in gay marriage. Um, pe people people ask me, that, how do you, like, I mean, I... I, I live in Oakland, San Francisco, and it's, and, and you know, I, I, I honestly have friends who are gay, so it's, it's not, <laughs> that's not me pulling, you know, the whole, the whole guilt trip during Black Lives Matter, it's like, I have black friends, like, that everyone was just panicking, just yeah. not, not to be canceled, basically, but, I mean, I have friends who are gay, and I just, I never really found it my place to question their yeah, decisions. Hello? Chase? Yeah, with, with, with Black Lives, with like a lot of people were just doing that to get canceled, but I have I have friends, you know, good friends who are gay, and I just never really saw it my place to question their actions in, in person, just coming from a purely orthodox perspective, like, it's not my place to judge, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, mm -hmm. I don't know what you're going with, I don't know what, I don't truly know what you're attracted to, just chemically, you know, it's, it's I, I can't say that, I don't know. Um... That's not something within my control, but he, he basically so he basically said that we're going through like this at least not in the Eastern world because the Eastern world into that in Eastern Europe you know Slavic Europe um, they're they're like tightening their grip on their Christian values especially in a post-Soviet era where they realize the folly of just completely cutting out God where the state can't be a God they can't take on that power vacuum it just doesn't work. Um, but the Western world didn't, hasn't really gone through something like that, and they're almost on this collision course for it. So this is that's almost like cyclical in nature. What I'm getting at is, I think Christian time, Christian's perspective on time is more cyclical yeah. than people realize. It's you know the the the, the week leading up to the Sunday liturgy is cyclical. The the length, the cycle of length into Pascha, that's cyclical. The cycle of the of the year post post the previous Pascha leading into the next Lenten Pascha, that, that that feels like a cycle. Do you do you get the same visceral notion? Um I lost you actually for like twenty seconds right in the middle of the cyclical discussion. Oh jeez, so okay. It might help to to rephrase that. Yeah. 
Hang on. Yeah, so basically, um, I get the notion that Christianity is far more cyclical when in relation to time that people realize. It's like there's this cycle of the, of the week leading into the divine liturgy each week, and there's a cycle within Lent going into Pascha, and there's a cycle in the time between the, the previous Pascha and the next Lent period and then subsequent Pascha. You get that same visceral notion. Yeah, I do. Um, I'm not going to rephrase that because I agree with with all you said. But I I also think that each each second that we're like called to carry carry up the cross, um, that that you're you're dying to yourself and being reborn in Christ. Uh, but you, you need to have the humility and pride uh, uh, and, and the lessening of pride uh, through, through this obedience that, that we discussed earlier to, to allow that to happen. But the, this kind of cycle of dying to yourself and, and being reborn, um, even though it happens instantaneously as you're called on this Christian path, right? Um, it's also reflected in through like um, each each time you attend the divine liturgy, like week by week, um, how um, you might spe- you might feel spiritually um, more weak or spiritually uh, declined, um, kind of thirsty for God, and, and you might wait until Sunday, or even as you you're going through all your um, prayers and trying to be obedient. And listen, listening for God, maybe that just doesn't even happen until Sunday. I always feel that on Sunday I, I'm much more in tune with with God um, and and whatnot than I am, especially just the two days before Sunday. Like it sort of depletes, um, and and that's sort of like a cycle that happens week by week. Even though I wish it was more constant, but I, I would say just. It's, it seems like you're always dying to yourself and you're always being reborn in Christ. And that, that only happens. I can't see that not happening happening in a cyclical nature, even though um, we're looking linearly to like Christ's second coming. And it, even though like we don't know when that's going to actually happen. But I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? I go back and forth on it, honestly. I really do. Yeah. Sometimes I think that maybe, maybe, maybe even that process repeats itself. Maybe, maybe Christ, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension has happened before. I really don't know. Like this is this is getting this is getting deep into theorizing maybe even there's there's that there's that long period of faith leading into a revelation and then there's that resolve you know of heaven on earth heaven and earth become one kingdom i don't know what that i i can't comprehend that mm-hmm. i really can't you know the, there, there are certain things yeah. i i take on faith there are a lot of things i take on faith but when sort of like asking me to comprehend 
certain things. I can comprehend most of it, and then there's certain things that I can't, nine times out of ten, I'm like, I'm at peace with that. Yeah. But Revelations is an interesting one. Yeah. It's... There's, there's also that really interesting uh, Inuit proverb. It's, I came to tell you that, you know, I'm, I'm completely paraphrasing, that Christ will save you. You're like, Christ will save me from what? From eternal damnation. And he says, would I have been subject to eternal damnation if you didn't tell me about Christ? And he said, no. And he says, then why did you tell me? So, that's a hell of a statement. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there, there, are, there are still parts yeah. of the Amazon. Yeah. There, there are still parts of the Amazon that haven't been reached by Christian missionaries. You know, they have not been made contact with. I mean, those people die or they just went straight to hell. I, I, I hope not, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Hard to, hard to know, too. Um... Like I, I can speak on, I could speak on my testimony and, and say I know Christianity to be true, right? I can I can have dominion over that. Yeah. He's Arthur, but as for for others, different parts of the world that haven't even been exposed to Christianity, yet, how, how can I? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you also see like some people that seem to be very good and moral and. I mean, seem to be very spiritually fulfilled and like if they're not Christian, like if they're Hindu or anything like that. Like there's part of me that's like, I think it's the only way, right? Christianity, but then you you don't want to go up to them and be like, hey, um, you're wrong. (laughs) You know, it it feels wrong. Um, And I'm not saying that because I don't, like, I'm not saying that out of, like, a, a, a thought that is, like, I'm doubting Christianity in any sense. But it's, I don't know if it's, like, always our say to, to know, I guess, like, what is not acceptable. And I don't even know if acceptable is the right word, but I think you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, I've, I've, I've had friends who... Like, I've, I've known some pretty terrible Christian people, I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. Um, like, just, just horrendous people. And then I've met, like, people who are, like, far greater people who are, like, Zoroastrian or Muslim or Buddhist or Taoist, right? And I'm like, how, how can I sit here and say, like, you wouldn't be right without? I'm like, well, yeah. what's, what's the major threat? Afterlife? Right? Eternal damnation? You know, there's, there's, and I, I did a podcast on this before too, and I've had multiple discussions with you know fellow Christians about this. But there's, there's, a, there's a growing belief that the original Orthodox Church actually did have a Reformation, and did have a Reformation and slaughter of some other early Christians who did believe that, and had the original belief that Christianity believed in reincarnation. And this, this is this is where I this is where I get really troubled with the man-made bits, right? With the councils, it's like where does divinity's dominion, where does divinity, where does divinity's truth end and man's meddling begin? 
there's always going to be some degree of that. So it's our, we have to pray not to be deceived, not to be led astray, and to discern accordingly, but not to just sort of like plug in our plug our ears and go la 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 la. You know what I mean? It's it's that 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 part really set me for my first Pascha. I, I, to the listeners, I, I apologize if I'm repeating myself. I I know that I am, but my first Pascha, there you know there was there was a guy at the church who. He was he was more controversial type. Like he he, you could, he was at church every Sunday, you know, very disciplined Christian, right? But you could tell that he was the type of personality that pushed the envelope. And he drove me home from Bosca, and he says, you know, it's just, it's a he basically goes into how a lot of research that he's found the early Christians believed in reincarnation, and I was like. What? And I could tell that he wasn't lying. I could tell that this this research of this is pretty unshakable. And I really didn't want to hear this because I had just gotten the stability of Christian of, of orthodoxy. And I, I said that I asked him that why do you go to the Orthodox Church? And he almost stopped the car but her actively was saying this and he says, because it's the closest thing that we have. I was like, what? And I can't, you know, I haven't found enough evidence for this to be true. But for the people who, the people who never hear about Christianity, they just get a, I don't want to call it, even call it a free ride to heaven. That makes, that's such a weird way of putting it. Where they just go straight to heaven or they just mm-hmm. born again in a different life. Do they just cease to exist? Are they centered on damnation, even though they've never even heard of who Jesus Christ was? It's, these are the questions that I, I feel like certain sections of them, to a certain degree, I have to think about. And to a certain degree, I just need to chalk up to, not chalk up, and just sort of surrender to fate. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, it's not like we're going to really ever be 100% certain about what actually is, uh, like, first who goes to heaven and who doesn't, or like, if there even is that split, or if reincarnation is, is a part of the church or not. Like, it's, I like to think in a, in a, in a different kind of, I mean, it might be sort of similar actually, but it, it's like every, I don't even want to say, at least to myself, and this might be, somewhat incorrect it might just be like me having like a weird thought but um it's like i don't even know if heaven's like something that's promised to me in a sense um like i'm, I'm gonna hope that like i'm, I'm on god's favor and, and like um because i i feel like i'm just at his mercy at, at the end you know um of whatever uh, my life happens to be and whatever i make out of that um, but it's like I I think I can I think there is a way to still have like 100% faith in, in what you believe and still not be 100% sure of what the end of that faith is um, as long as your 100% faith is in the trust that no matter you, no matter if you don't even know like what the end promise is it's in God in a sense um i know this doesn't like cover everything about like other faiths 
and other people who like are still outstanding people in other faiths but um i think it at least kind of clarifies some to some degree the questions that we still have even though we may not answer them all i guess yeah i think i think that's the best home note having 100% faith and without 100% knowing where the faith leads I think that's yeah, I mean personally I think that's where I'm at honestly um, and, and it's not like you're doubting it's not like there's doubt in there it's it's just like it's I think it's sort of like an openness maybe to to the wonder of what 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 comes next what is that going to be in a sense I have absolutely no idea <laughs> I yeah have, I mean yeah what I have I have certain inklings I mean I, I think we're, we're in a we're in a war of consciousness I've, I've mentioned this time and time again yeah sure I feel like we're winning that war pretty handily now I think you know at least when this this war is concluded I think there's another far bigger one on the horizon you know a decade or maybe two decades from now mm -hmm. I think I think really the not to get all tinfoily for a second but I like tinfoil so okay cool well to get tinfoily then um, I think artificial intelligence is, is like the greatest foe I, th I think I think if you were to craft a scenario for Revelation, okay. right? I mean, a lot of people point out uh, Bill Gates's, you know, microchipping thing. There's that's, you know, obviously that's a pretty nasty thing. And um, yeah. if, if I saw Bill Gates, I'd want to kick him in the face. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, my that would be my. He's an old man. You wouldn't do that. I don't know, man. I don't, no, I, would, I know. I would not feel bad. Anyway, same thing with you know Gavin Newsom, you know a couple other, a couple select few, right? But um, right, right. You can throw in Whitmer, do I guess? Oh yeah, I mean you're in Michigan, so yeah, you you've got your own flavor, a Newsom and Cuomo out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I think, you know, so the people people talk about Bill Gates' microchipping. And people are completely, like, people are hearing Elon, like, yeah, Elon's, Elon's helping us at Dogecoin, you know, like, bless Elon and the memes. And I, I think Forrest talked about that. He was like, never underestimate the power of a meme. Like, I think, I don't think Doge is, is like, super long-term stable, but I think, like, it's gonna reach a dollar just due to the memes, and as soon as it hits a dollar, you should just sell and get out. Like that's a very quick crypto stance that I rarely have, guys. I'm yeah. I'm not even on the ground level of understanding crypto, guys. Just FYI. But that's that's the yeah. only thing I ever put any money in. Oh, it's crypto. Doge. Doge. For the meme only. For the memes, yeah. Whether the meme made you $300,000, they're like, damn, I literally don't even know what anything uh, is anymore. 
Um, but the there are people who are overlooking Elon's sort of Neuralink thing, where he's like, "Wait a second, a chip in your brain a year out, or you can you're basically going to be an advanced supercomputer." Like that's that's here. Yeah. I don't I don't think that that's going to be really a huge deal for another decade, but I think in a decade, right? I think a lot of people would sign up for that. That's a really scary thought. Mm-hmm. Because it gets to a point where so many people will be capable of these calculations much faster because of Neuralink. Mm-hmm. And I really don't even know a whole whole lot about Neuralink. Is it is it just supposed to speed up your brain, or I mean, there's always a difference between what things say they're going to do too and what they actually do as well. Yeah, let's hope this is Elon's first stinker. Basically, that'd be nice. Um, basically, you'll you'll be able to calculate things. I, I know it's a very it's a very baseline level. You're like your cognitive function will rapidly improve. Like your your logical deduction will rapidly improve. Your ability your ability to just calculate as a as a as a human is just going to be far superior to people without it, which is just terrifying. Because if enough people take it, you're left behind. It's like you're fighting this losing battle. So it's like that lose like having faith in that losing battle then the. the Right. The revelation happening with that, I could see that happening. Honestly, mm-hmm. true. I could see like if you want to talk about revelation, I could see that as being like a, a mark of the beast type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, can't get food. Can't get. Food. There is. Yeah. True. And there's also um. I think another path too that, that might be further down the line but especially like just with like, the past 10 years of the invention of like your phone and, and Macs and whatever is that people can blur the line between what reality is is it interacting with people online or is it more when you're off off the phone and off the computer that you're more yourself and if if the material world for some can get more and more dis- dissatisfactory, I I don't I don't see how why some people would not choose to, given the opportunity, like fully have their persona be like all online if if that ever happens, in in some sense because already people can spend hours just on like Twitter or Instagram and various messaging messaging apps other than like live too that that would be much further down the line though because i don't i think people still know there's like a material world physical that's like worth living but definitely with with the brain thing neuralink if people start doing that i mean there comes to be a point where you're like well what point do you stop being human and what point is it just like a an assist an assistant kind of technology his argument was that we're already technically cyborgs because we have a phone 
It's just not an attachment. That's just that's not an argument, though. <laughs> yeah, it, see, it's I sort of like a metaphor. I I agree. It's like you're you're still using a tool, right? Mm. It's 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 it still is a tool until it has sentience. Then I I, I think that's. Well, it's funny. This is the same guy who's been really vocal about AI. So maybe yeah. maybe the jury's out on him. Like this this is this is obviously like somewhat of like a hypothesis about a potential potential end game revelation scenario where it's like, all right, this is when God like God, if you're, if you're gonna step in, that was a pretty good time to do it, man. Like, you know, yeah, you know, the second coming, like let's let's do the dad gum thing, you know. Um, but well, there's, there's all those memes too, where like something bad happens. They're like, "Hey, step in now. It's a good time." But um, yeah, I mean, Cardi I don't know. I still, I still feel like <laughs> I feel like the choice would be available first before he steps in. I think, you know, God, he's all knowing, but like, there's still a sense where like you can apply like. Uh, a persona to him where he's like, oh, I'm kind of curious if they'll actually do it or whatnot. Even though, like, you know, he already knows what's going to happen, but I feel like people would, you'd see people opting in first, with regardless of whatever the, the final thing is going to be. Yeah, it's... I, I, I think I think you're right. They will, he, like, he gives a choice for everything. He allows free will. He's not going to swoop in before people can make the wrong choice. Uh that's that's so weird to think about, dude. Like, the, the, these are the kinds of things that like keep me up at night thinking about. Honestly. Yeah, no. After this is done, you're gonna have me searching like Christian reincarnation and stuff like that, and I'll be looking up what this thing is. And <laughs> I mean, so some of some of the just incredible evidence I think there is for reincarnation is these these accounts. Of, I, I actually did a podcast about this. Um, I feel like that's like been my running line this this podcast you know it's like when you watch a when you watch a joe rogan podcast and you like see um you see in the comments people making fun of like things that podcasters mention constantly like joe have you tried dmt rogan or um ronda it has been shown patrick um i feel like i've been just constantly pedaling i've done a, i actually did a podcast about this uh, oh yeah i actually did a podcast about that too but yeah i did i mean that's that's why i'm bringing it up um, about ancestry and past lives. And there's these kids who just tell their parents just like in stunning detail, like their past lives. And then they do some research and it's like, it's all true. Like, and there's no way they could have done that. There's no way at all. I think that's some pretty incredible evidence for the, the argument of reincarnation. But then, yeah. But then the, it, the, other, it, the other thing is like, what is time? Like, what is time really? Like, we have a three-dimensional understanding of time. Maybe there's a bunch of reincarnation in the middle of one life. Like, revelation happens and it's a wrap. Yeah. Yes, I don't know. What if this might not be smart at all? Okay, <laughs> but <laughs> people think of time like linear, cyclical. And then there's like a linear cyclical thing where it's like loops and loops, but it's going somewhere. Um, yeah. I, I post something like that on my story, just like shooting whatever. But then 
What if time is just like a dot and whatever? What does that mean? That could just be stupid though, because that would just be a picture. But I don't know. I think about reincarnation though, like some of some weird dreams I've had where I'm like, like I've definitely had dreams where like I'm not myself. I'm like some other guy and like some other story with like a wife and kids and like somehow some state that's like not Michigan and then like where did this come from like it could just be my brain or whatever but what if it's like a past thing or whatever let me ask you something before I because I have I've had a similar thing like a did you see people like was there any visceral difference between a regular dream of just your, your your mind and your subconscious just like putting together an assortment of thoughts like a la Inception, right? Or was there a difference between that and this dream? Or like, was there a visceral difference where you're like, okay, this feels like it's me, but it's not me. And it's like, it was me at some point. I mean, I would, it's weird because I don't remember, like, I don't think who I was mattered. Like, I, I wasn't, like, picturing, like, I didn't ascribe to myself a name. Or I, no one in the dream, like, called me a name. Mm. But, like, I could, that was different than my own. But I also, they didn't call me by my own, my own name either. I was just kind of, like, like, you know, when you're, like, watching a video game, you're just, like, a person in the game or whatever. Seeing through, like, the perspective of someone's eyes. I don't know. I just thought it was my own. What, what, what not. But... I, I did get this feeling that, like, I would have, like, died for, like, anyone in that dream, even though, like, no one I know here or ever met. So it wasn't just, like, random characters for some some reason. That's okay. I, okay, so I've had an instance similar to this where... I, I was on a camp out in Big Basin uh, 13 years, no. Yeah, 13 years ago. And like almost to the day. And I had this I had this dream in between like a Saturday and Sunday night. It was like really vivid. And there was like this like I wanna say she was like almost like an Annie or something. Just, like I I knew I saw a face, like I actually saw a picture of it now. She's like very bright red hair. She doesn't look like anyone I've seen on TV or anything. And you know, I was at like a I like I she was like a nanny growing up to me, and I was like sort of like fifteen, just like a teenager. And then she died, and I had to give some eulogy. And it was like so unbelievably real. And I yeah. woke up and I was like, "Whoa, what on earth is that?" Like, I'm getting woken up by uh, one of my buddies saying we're going to the next part of the backpacking trip. I'm like, "No, you don't understand." <laughs> Um, <laughs> I feel like I just lived a life here. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. yeah. And dude, I I didn't know what to do with myself after that. I'm like, I was like, what? Thirteen? I'm like, what? What, what does it mean? <laughs> and yeah. I just sort of eventually discarded it. Um, and um, yeah, I I that's. I, I, I think there's like a fundamental difference with these types of dreams. And and the other thing, I, I mentioned that I had past life dreams before. I've only had like two or three. But my current fiance was in them and my mother was in them. 
and it, it, it was a different era, like a different era in the past uh-huh. history. And it was like, it, it seemed like it was like a memory recall. Like it was very much like, this is a memory, not a dream. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, it's me, but it's also not me. Because it's not me in this life, but it, I look the same. Right, but I'm almost, I was, it was something having to do with the old American West, um, these dreams. Um, really strange. That's, that's, that's what the extent of it. I'm not going <laughs> to try to fabricate something, right? Be like, well, yeah, yeah. And then this happened, and you didn't just lay out this whole past life, but like, <laughs> uh, and then someone asked you to say it before. I mean, and then on another podcast, you have to bring it up if you have to remember that you've never done it. Yeah, that, that's there. There's some there's some real sociopaths out there who are wholeheartedly capable of that, but I'm I'm not one of those. <laughs> and uh, well, and it, it's just hard to remember dreams. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, actually, so that dude, that dream, I was I was uh, I was working. This, th- this dream was actually like right after Pasca three years ago. That's why it was a really big eye opener to me. Um, mm-hmm. And. Actually, you know, when we when we get off here, I'll tell you the sort of things that you know. I, I would rather not share in a podcast setting to the world about the nature of that Pasca that wasn't in regards to blood and rain, but some other things. Um, but I was I was so I was working in this bar in San Francisco, and they had a back room, like a, a, a bar that would open up only you know on certain event nights. And I was sleeping there all the time because I actually, for some reason, got like amazing sleep in this room. And I had finished like a really hard sparring session. I just went back to the bar. I'm like Arthur, you like you good? I'm like, yeah. Can I get a slow gin and tonic? And they're like, are you sure you want to drink? You look really fucking tired. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, why not? I'm in the mood. And they're like, okay. They're like, didn't you just go through that whole Lent thing? I'm like, yeah, that's where I wasn't drinking, and now I am drinking. Um, and as I was drinking, I'm like, I really didn't want this drink. So I like only drank like a third of it. And they're like, they're like, I fucking do it. <laughs> um, and so I was like, right, guys, I'm really tired. I'm just going to go hang out in the back room. And I like slept and I had this dream, like this dream of this past life with my fiance in the old American West. And I get woken up by the bar back. Like, apparently I had slept for like six hours or something like that. Um, and he's like, hey, dude, we're closed. I'm like, oh, shit, really? And he says, <laughs> he says, yeah, like, you and I are the last ones in here. Let me give you a ride home. I was like, oh, okay, cool, thanks. Um, and I, like, wake up, and I was like, wow, what a strange life. <laughs> like, that was the first thing mm-hmm. that came out of my mouth when I stood up. And he's like, are you okay? <laughs> it was just like, yeah. I think I just had a dream about my past life. And th- 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 this guy lives a completely different life to me. I mean, like, I, I love this guy to death. But he lives a degen life, like he lives a degenerate life. Um, you know, he works a bunch of bar jobs and security jobs. I think he's working at a strip club right now. But like, it's funny. He always had my best interest in mind. Like he was the one that would be like, "Don't drink." He was the one that would be like, "Don't." Um, he he just really was there to support me on my path, despite being mm. on a completely, completely different path than me. Right. Um, in every in every sense of the words, like there's that good, that kernel good soul in in the center of them, which is just fascinating to think about, really. And he was the one who gave me right home, and I was like, dude, I think I had a dream of a past life. He's like, no shit. 
He's like, is this tied to that Easter epiphany you had? I'm like, I think so, man. He's like, that's crazy. <laughs> it is genuinely all ears. Like, he doesn't have much to say about that. Yeah. He's genuinely there to listen. It's, I don't know, dude. That, 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 now I'm, I'm, I'm rambling because I'm just, I'm sort of viscerally recalling what happened. But somehow I think the answer is like yes to everything we talked about. Mm. The end of time, res- reincarnation, I, 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 obviously Orthodox Christianity, cyclical time. It's a strange one. And I, yeah. I Honestly, I just I feel like I just ended a storm, and now I don't really know what to do with myself after three years. I think. I mean, as far as time is concerned, I mean, people have been asked, like, wondering this forever. But but when we put it in in, in the orthodox framework. At first notion, it's like okay, it's linear. But but then, it doesn't always feel that way. And and I think that can, that can be applied to more than just time. That can be be applied to. I mean, we we have applied it to more than just time. What am I talking about? But um, that, that doesn't always mean that. Um, anything is like encrypted about it um we just might not ever get to understanding what even my means or what what even cyclical time might allow and not allow or if there's even further options uh, it sounds like a cap out honestly dude like and there, there have been uh I mean, okay, you know what? Let's uh, let's let's approach something uncomfortable. A lot of solar series guys hate on anime. That's fine. I've seen a lot of really garbage anime. <laughs> um, not seen, not watched. I've just seen like a poster of it. I'm like, what shit is this? I'm just genuinely, like, what is this? Um, but it's something something that was really really fascinating. There's there's a there's this one anime called Outlaw Star, where they're they're they're, they're going into the they're, they're they're actually going into like a treasure hidden within the galaxy, like called the Galactic Ley Line, and they meet some like higher ascended being, and he's like, but basically he like he's an ascended being who's like on a downturn, and he's just like, why are you chasing after chicks in bathing suits? And it's like because he felt he had a dead end in his understanding that there's no reason to live other than just chase chicks. I was like, God, that's fucking grim. Um, and I think to, to wrap this up, I think that can be cyclical in itself, where it's like. <laughs> if you. If you almost if you go too far at one given time, you reach sort of nihilistic point. But if you if 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 you if if you basically if you try to extend a cycle too long, 
you reach a nihilistic point. You have to come back to center, or else you grow cynical and nihilistic. Right. Folks. But what's... <laughs> Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just wondering, okay, what's the center of a cycle, then? Is that... Cycles don't stop. Oh my! Am I? Have I been thinking of this the wrong way? I think like, oh, dude, this is this is getting like really abstract. Like my mind's sort of like, <laughs> it's almost stretching in a way that I've never stretched it before. Right now. Um, okay, so, <laughs> um, I think people can can go into cycles, right? And complete them, and they'll try to extend them for longer. But it's like, the, the circle's already been closed. Yeah. So they, like, turn around and just, like, knock on the door that's already closed. And that leads to cynicism and nihilism, because they're not going on the next cycle. Alright, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, that definitely is probably the case. Especially when you don't know what you're looking for often younger in life but you know it's not always like that for different people yeah i mean i mean yeah a lot a lot of a lot of kids in life and what did i want when i was 15 gosh um i want i I wanted people to leave me the fuck alone that's for sure um because i really didn't like the first high school i went to Actually, I got asked this '80s by this like popular cheerleader type, and I looked at her. I was like, "Are you serious?" (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) She's just like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Listen, Jamie, you don't want to go to '80s with me. I'm going to probably pick fights with your friends, bitch about the music, and I'm probably not going to dance with you. You want to go with that? Like this guy over here? I pointed to like this baseball player." Like he's friends with all your friends. He likes the music they're gonna play. He's probably gonna dance with you. And she was actually like really hurt. And I felt like a gigantic asshole. Um, but I don't. Why did you expect that to go out good? Say again. Why did you expect that to work? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's not... Okay. Wait, say again. Yeah. Sorry, cut out. Uh, no, I was like, it's honest, but like, she wasn't, you know, I I don't see how that never go well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it, I, I, even though I may be right, like I still could have been like, oh, I'm I'm out of town that day. <laughs> like yeah, I would have been a uh, much easier route to. I mean, there's white lies and like, Jordan Peterson talked about this. Like, there's white lies and black. I don't, I'm not one of these guys who's constantly quoting, you know, twelve rules for life, but. Uh, he, was, he had an interesting thought. Like, there's, there's, there's white lies and there's black truths. Like, yeah, it's the truth, but you really need to be saying it all the time. Like, almost like foreshadowing the black pill because the black pill didn't really come to an understanding like vocally until like 2019. Um, but yeah, I could have been a lot nicer about it. But basically, uh, where was I getting? Yeah, like, I wanted to be left alone when I was 15. I wanted to. Listen to grunge music all day, chop wood, and set things on fire, and run, and, and 
right. That's pretty much all I wanted to do. Pretty sad. Doesn't sound bad. Yeah, it doesn't sound too bad. I mean, you know, you and I are both track athletes in high school, so you get that. You and I are both writers, so you also get that. That might be why we get along so well. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, I, dude, I'm, I'm almost at a loss now. <laughs> I don't know when I was picking that. I don't know. I, I just track grass cone, but not. Sorry, say that again. You cut out. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, I mean, sorry, you you were saying before you cut out about about cross country. Oh yeah, no, I was just saying back when I was fifteen, I was just really. The thing I'd want to do is do track, cross country, or whatever sport I was in, and then, you know, do homework and then call the day the day, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's simple. To listen to music, but, like, yeah. Mine was from, like, what, four years ago, though, but, yeah. Well, yeah. Wait, no, 15, that's six years ago, my bad. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like, are you somehow bending the space time <laughs> continuing to make me feel older? Like, <laughs> um, no. Yeah, I was 10 years ago. I was 15. I was, oh, man, I was a fucking punk. It was bad, dude. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... It, I think... <laughs> At the end of the listeners, I think I, I got I got I got stuff to talk to Chase about offline that's gonna be, go super abstract and super personal. So I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say Chase, thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> as as we've thanks sort of gone me. through every aspect of time and and space and God and and balance of opposites, I think we were at a point where conversations can only get personal. Yeah. Um, so thanks. <laughs> Chase, first of all, where can people find you? Hey. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, it's called The Symposium on Instagram. I don't know if there's an underscore on that or not. It's with an I. Like, so that's it. So guys, go give go give. There is an underscore. Just check. So yeah, V underscore symposium with an I. Um, it's one of my favorite writers on Instagram. Um, do you have any Do you have any other content pursuits on the horizon, or it's just Instagram for now? Uh, Instagram for now. I definitely want to do something else over the summer. In addition, I just don't know what that'll be. Um, I have a Telegram, which is just like the exact same posts that go on my Instagram are just there just for backup, but that's in my link anyway, in the bio. But yeah, I don't know yet. Well, whatever that may be, I'm certainly going to read it. Uh, and I think everyone else should too. Um, guys, go give, go give Chase the symposium a follow. Um, one of the, not only your writing, just the, the, 
your unique aesthetics too. Like I, I appreciate people who are actually cultivating their own aesthetic and not playing copycat. Honestly, Forrest and I subtly danced on this, but now I'm just outwardly saying it. Like guys, don't copy it. Like yeah. if if that is your aesthetic, <laughs> like if your aesthetic is really similar to someone's, okay, that it is what it is. But if you're straight copying someone's aesthetic, don't do that. Um, and thank you. Yeah, man. It's, I just go on pin. Yeah. I almost gave my secret away, never mind. Yeah, no, he, he just he, he pulls it out from the ether. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's right. But um, I'm looking through it now. It's just so eclectic, but it all comes together. Awesome. Anyway, um, I, I've been thrust into an abstract mind state, guys. So <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening. Chase, thank you so much for being here. Everyone follow Chase, the symposium on Instagram, and be on the lookout for his new content. Um, and until next time, good night and good storms. <laughs>